Hi everyone, we're Brianna and Suzanne, two teacher moms who are passionate about helping you create a home environment where your family truly thrives. We're here to help you with anything from setting up your family goals and the perfect physical space in your home, to managing school expectations and parent-teacher conferences and everything in between. Whatever the unique needs of your family, we're here to help you get set up for success. Thank you for joining us today as we explore another topic to help you thrive in your hive. Before we get started today, did you know that both of us are trained and experienced coaches ready to work alongside you as you unlock your full potential? At Thrive in the Hive, our focus is on empowering moms and dads just like you. By exploring the core drivers in your everyday decisions, we'll work together to raise your awareness and harness your power to consciously choose how you show up for your parenthood. Imagine yourself with complete confidence and clarity in who you are. Imagine yourself equipped to seize life by the horns, creating limitless opportunities and recognizing limitless potential for you and your family. Message us to set up a free discovery call. Happy thriving! Before we get started with this episode of Thrive in the Hive, we'd like to invite you to head over to our website, thriveinthehive.life, to check out our Hive membership. Our first 50 members will have access to all of our great resources for just $5 a month. After that, the price will increase for new members. The Hive membership includes more information about the topics we discuss, including visuals, articles, and guides, as well as a monthly newsletter full of helpful tips for home and school, plus seven days of family-friendly dinner menus with recipes updated each week. We will also be adding resources regularly, so sign up now for just $5 a month at thriveinthehive.life. We can't wait to see you and connect with you there. Hey, Brianna. Hey, how's it going? It's great. How are you doing? Doing very well, enjoying the blue skies outside. Yes, me too. I spent some time in the garden this morning, and I actually harvested carrots. Ah, that is so amazing. I can't wait to see that. I'm so excited. Something actually grew. Yay. Ah, yay. All right. Well, hello, everybody. We are here today to talk to you about taking your children out into the world like the grocery store, restaurants, play dates, places like that. I know this is something that I struggled with a little bit when my kids were younger, babies, toddlers, preschool age. They didn't always want to get dragged everywhere that I needed to take them. And um, we want to talk to you today about how to make that smooth and easy and where you don't have to walk into the grocery store praying that your kids won't have a temper tantrum, that you can walk in there confidently knowing that they're going to behave very well for you. Yes. And actually, we have a little bit more of a challenge right now in this um, COVID world, because I know for me, at least, my kids are younger. I had them pretty well, I'm going to use the word trained, to be out in public, and then COVID hit, and we stayed home for months. And so then now that we're starting to go out and do a little bit more, go to the restaurant occasionally, go to the store and actually take them out of the home, it's been kind of a new introduction, not completely starting from scratch, but they're having to relearn what it's like to be out in public. I know my daughter, she's about to turn two. She spent half of her life at this point in this state of quarantine And so when we go to stores now, she doesn't know the protocol of you're going to stay in the grocery cart or you have to hold on to the stroller or whatever it is. So that's been definitely a transition for us. 
I can imagine that it's going to be that way for everybody in the whole world because we've all been locked down and no one's really gone anywhere, but we're starting to open back up again. So perfect time to be talking about this and how to keep our kids under control and how to retrain them. Like you said, and I I like how you said, I don't want to say trained, but in reality, that's what we're doing. We're training them to be proper human beings who can handle themselves out in the world. and, And we really want to help everybody with this. So I think one thing to keep in mind, like a lot of times when kids are misbehaving, whether no matter where you are, I think sometimes they really want attention. Really look at your kids when they're misbehaving and ask yourself like what's going on with them because maybe they just need you to pay some attention to them, which is very difficult to do when you're trying to grocery shop. Now I know a lot of people just buy their stuff, they order online and they go pick it up. It's a lot more convenient, but... I also think that there's a whole learning side to taking them to the grocery store. There's so much language acquisition, so many pre-reading skills that you can teach there that I feel sad for people sometimes that don't take their kids there because I used the grocery store as my classroom when my kids were babies and toddlers and I gave them a lot of attention that way. So they weren't trying to act up to get negative attention. They got my positive attention the whole time we were in there. I think you can start even like when they're tiny babies. They're sitting there in the stroller. You can look them in the eye. You can have a conversation. They can look at your face. They can see your mouth moving. And you can tell them things like, this is a box of Cheerios. It's yellow. This is a C. And you can point to it and put it in the car and They're listening. They're taking it all in. This is teaching them how to speak. And I have to be honest with you right now and tell you that I typically do not take all three of my kids into the grocery store, mainly because I hate going to the grocery store. It's just never been one of my favorite things to do. So I am one of those people who even in the pre-COVID world, I placed an order online every week and would go do the curbside pickup for my groceries. But if you feel like you do take your kids to the grocery store or you're like me and you don't like to take your kids to the grocery store, there are still places that you take them. We run errands as a family a lot. We'll take them into Academy to go get stuff for baseball or we'll take them into, I'm a crafter. So my kids are frequent flyers at Hobby Lobby. And so there are other opportunities and you just figure out what fits for your family. But I think the important thing here is just that you're taking your kids out and you are expecting them to act a certain way because the world does not revolve around the children and they have to know that it doesn't revolve around any of us. And even though they might not love going to Hobby Lobby with me, you know what? I need to go to Hobby Lobby and you're going to come along and you're going to behave because we're all expected to behave when we're out and about. And that takes some learning and it takes some modeling and just some intentional conversations to teach them exactly what the expectations are because kids are going to test limits. We've talked about that before and you have to know what your limit is and they have to know what your limit is and that has to be consistent and has to be communicated. And so I think just keeping that in mind, keeping that at the forefront and not just flying by the seat of your pants, like you're walking into the store and you're like, kids behave. Does that ever work? It doesn't work. (laughs) Absolutely not. And I think for me, like we spent a lot of time in scouting. So my son went all the way through Eagle Scout. My daughter's um, working on her gold award right now for Girl Scouts. And like the motto for Boy Scouts is be prepared. And I think that is just like the best motto for life. So be prepared before you leave the house. So like when my kids were little, I knew 
what the triggers were no matter where we were going. Like whether we were going to a play date or we were going to grandma's house, we were going to some kind of store. I knew the things that like the shenanigans they would pull, which would be different in different locations, but I knew what they were going to try to pull. And so I would sit them down before we leave and I would say to them, you are not going to do this, 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 and this. And these are the expectations that I have for your behavior. You know, I expect you to do these things. You will not do those things. And I would think it through before we would leave. And then when we got there, before we got out of the car, I would make them tell it back to me. That way I knew they understood And if they couldn't tell me the things that they couldn't do and the things that I wanted them to do, then I would repeat it to them and then make them say it back to me. So I knew they understood. So I would never get any of the, well, I didn't know, you didn't tell me, you know, kind of whining stuff that little kids try to pull on you when they're trying to make you feel bad that they're getting a consequence for their behavior. And when we would get in there, When they were doing what I asked them to do, they got my praise and my attention. It was like, you're doing such a great job. I really appreciate the help you're giving me and picking the things out. I like how you're playing so nicely with your friends. Whatever they were doing, I would praise them. And you could just see like little kids, like two and three year olds, like their their chest puff up when you praise them like that. They love it. And so they're more willing to keep doing that. Now, if they started to slide and do pull some of the shenanigans, I would warn them. And depending on your fuse that day, they might get one warning or two warnings, but by the second or the third time, that's it. But my kids would know what the consequence was going to be. And I was always very clear about telling them the consequence before we left. If you cannot do what I'm asking you to do, this will be your consequence. And it was individualized for each kid. If we had plans to go to the pool that afternoon and meet like the whole gang of playgroup friends at the pool, I was never going to say we're not going to go do that because then that punishes all the kids in the family, not just one kid in the family. So maybe it would be they would lose their screen time, they would lose their dessert, like something that was important to that kid, the one kid, then they would miss it. Maybe they have to go sit in their room by themselves while the other kid gets to watch the 30 minutes of TV or whatever. And then if they misbehaved, then they, and they wouldn't, they couldn't get their behavior back on track again. And they just kept pulling their shenanigans. They would lose the consequence. And the thing is you have to be prepared to deliver the consequence. So this is where being prepared comes in. You've already told them what it is and it's something that you can live with. If you know that you're taking one of your kids to Taekwondo and that's where you see your best friend and you love that hour of talking to them, don't threaten that you're not going to get to go to Taekwondo that day because you're going to punish yourself and you're not going to want to follow through with that because you're desperately needing that one hour while your kid's in the room doing Taekwondo to talk to your friend. So come up with a consequence that you can deliver and follow through with because to me, that is the key. That's where the teaching comes in when they make the mistake and you give them the consequence they learn from it and then they don't do it again they will do it again you have to give them what I call the tune-ups every once in a while but I think after you've delivered the consequence it's probably not going to be smooth and easy either they're going to probably be upset and but you just stay calm don't argue don't get pulled in just tell them matter of fact this is what it's going to be and then the next day or maybe later on that evening when they're calmer, you go back and you have a conversation about it. Why did it get to this point? Tell me how this happened. Can you explain why you lost your dessert or why you lost your screen time and get them to talk to you and explain to you? Because if they cannot do that, then you need to continue to explain it to them. 
And as they get older, that conversation is going to be super fast because they're going to be prepared for it. And the time between tune-ups is going to get longer and longer and longer. So you're going to have them being able to control themselves and behave themselves out in public for longer periods of time. Because you're gonna, all you have to do at some point is just give them the look. And then they're like, oh, better get back on track. <laughs> the look, yes. <laughs> and I just want to say two things. Number one, I had Eli is seven and Wyatt is five. Just between their two ages and their 20 months apart, uh, Eli has reached this age of like he will almost start to apologize for things before I even say something to him. Like I give him the look and he'll be like, I'm sorry that I just you know, and he'll verbalize whatever it was. Wyatt is still kind of approaching that phase, but just seeing that progression, you just said like as they get older, they really start to recognize. I'm really seeing that right now. I'm in that stage of parenthood right now with my two older kids where Eli is really genuinely starting to recognize and even be able to verbalize what he's doing. That's whatever the unacceptable and desirable behavior is and start to to fix it himself without my having to verbally redirect him as much. It's that, so wonderful when yeah. you start to get to that point. <laughs> exactly. It's it's like this, the first couple of times it happened, it was like this kind of almost surreal experience for me because it was like, wait a minute, it's sinking in. But it's that consistency and that regular, this is what I expect and this is what we're going to do. And it's not like this authoritarian situation, mm-hmm. but it's just that everyone has to be able to act a certain way out in society. They have to be able to act a certain way in the real world. And you want your kids to be like, I talk to my kids about this all the time. You don't want to be the kids who no one else's parents want their kids to hang out with. Like you want to be well-mannered. I like beam when someone comments on my kids' manners or comments on how well-behaved my kids are. And I make a big deal about it to my kids because who doesn't want that? Me too. People meet my kids and they almost always say, oh, they're so polite. They're so well-mannered because we've worked at it. They don't come out that way. No child comes out a perfect angel. It takes work and it takes years. Like your kids are five and seven. When they're little and they don't have any impulse control and they're starting to walk and they're kind of in that terrible two phase, it's constant teaching, constant modeling, constant positive reinforcement, hopefully very few consequences. But The positive reinforcement, I think, is so huge. And when I love that you tell your kids when they get compliments. I always tell my kids, like, I'll come home and say, oh, so-and-so ran into you today. And they told me that you were so polite and so kind to them. And that makes me so happy for you that you're that kind of person and that you can go out into the world and people can enjoy having a conversation with you because they need to know that. And it just reinforces them and makes them continue to be that way and hopefully even be better at that. Right. Their hard work pays off. And I think finding your child's currency, whether that's a positive reward or a negative consequence, I think is really important here. There's a lot of talk around the whole, I'm going to call it bribery word with parenting, but think about it. In the real world, when you do a really great job at work, you want a raise, right? Or you want some form of recognition. And kids, you get a bonus. Like a lot of professions actually get a paid bonus when they've done a good job. What is that? I know. (laughs) Not educators. In the real world, people get bonuses for a job well done. If they've met their quota, done what their boss expects of, of them, they get extra money at the end of the year. How great is that? So why not reward your kids? 
Right. And we're not saying to do it every time because please don't do it every time because then they're going to expect it every time. But sometimes you can give them that bonus. When I used to take my kids to Costco pretty regularly, especially during the summers when I'm not at work all day, I'll tell them, hey, guys, if y'all behave at the halfway point, we'll go up and get the frozen yogurt or whatever it is at Costco. And they're yeah. looking forward to it. And then it gives them something to do. And they're sitting in the cart and they're eating their little frozen yogurt. And they work toward it. They're excited about it. And they have to maintain it. And like mm-hmm. you said, Suzanne, once they get two or three warnings, like you've lost it. We can try again next time, but you've lost it. So figuring out just what their currency is. And I know, like for me, my three kids all have very different currencies. And I'm still figuring out what their currencies are because I feel like that's one of those things that's always evolving. But for instance, my middle son absolutely loves to be around his friends. The neighbors outside, we like play in the afternoons. And that is like the worst thing that I can take away from him. If I take time away with his friends, he loses it. And Mm -hmm. we've been working on like, listen, you had this warning, you had another warning, and then you kept doing X, Y, or Z, and that's the consequence, and I'm not going to change my mind. And he's becoming a little bit more accepting of it. Time with friends is obviously not every kid's currency. I know like my older son, he loves to be with his friends, but that's not his biggest currency for him. It would be something like, oh, um, you're not allowed to watch your one episode after school today or whatever it is because he enjoys that time to just relax and kind of detox from the day. But figuring out whatever it is that your child's currency is and using that in a positive way when possible, and then also using it as a a negative consequence when you need to. I feel like I get this question a lot and I ask this question a lot. What is a logical consequence for this behavior? I think every parent struggles with that. Mm-hmm. And and there is no one right answer that like works all the time. But I think if you have a general little repertoire, so to speak, of, okay, for this yeah. child, these are some consequences and these are some positive reinforcers that really work for this child. And for this child, here are the positive reinforcers and the consequences that work. And then you can just pull those out of your back pocket when you need them. So when you are trying to take your kids out in public and you are trying to be out in the real world, you can come up with those on the fly because let's face it, when you have two or three or four whatever kids clinging onto the grocery cart and one's Mm -hmm. trying to grab the cookies off the shelf and one is trying to like climb underneath the cart on the little tray (laughs) on the bottom and the other one's dragging their feet off the bottom of the cart, Mm -hmm. you can't necessarily come up with everything that you need to come up with unless you've thought through it ahead of time. You have to be prepared. One thing I did with my kids when they were little is when we were happy and calm, we would sit them down and talk to them about, you're doing such a great job, but like if you were to misbehave, what are some things that you really wouldn't want as a consequence? Now, they'll come up with some bizarre things, but then you just have a conversation with them about, like really, would you, is a consequence for you to not be able to go out and play with your friends? It's a consequence for you to miss wild crats after school. Because for one of my kids, my son, he was like yours. He's a super extrovert. He loves to be around people. And for him, the punishment would have been to not be around people. Whereas my daughter is 
is like a mixture introvert extrovert so for her she's she really needs that time she'll say okay good i'll go to my room because she's happy to but she loved that show wild Kratts. i don't even know if that's still on anymore it but is. oh my gosh if she that's right because she was babysitting your kids and she wanted to keep them up longer to watch another episode <laughs> of wild Kratts, but she knew she shouldn't telling her she couldn't watch that would have been a huge a huge deal for her like she would have really missed that And so they are very good at coming up with good consequences. And I would write them down and keep them with me. And I'd glance at them like before we were going to go somewhere, like what would be the best consequence on this list that would match, that would be the, the logical consequence for what they've done? Because I was terrible at coming up with them on the fly, especially because I think they push your buttons and you get mad. And I always tried really hard not to lose it with my kids and yell at them and stuff because I don't think that gets you anywhere. I think it's better to just stay calm. Like they always say, mom, you were like eerily calm. We knew we were in trouble when you just went silent and calm. That was scarier than if you had just yelled at us because they were like, we knew you were cooking up something in your brain of like some consequence that we weren't going to like. But but it also got their attention because they knew that they were in trouble. If you can just be prepared and have a list of consequences and a list of rewards, because sometimes they come up with really cool ideas that are really fun things to do that don't cost any money and don't take a lot of time. But you just, if you ask your kids what they think are good consequences and good rewards, you can come up with probably a list of 20 for each kid, for each thing. And it's amazing. And you're always prepared. Yeah, fantastic. As your kid grows, it's, it's evolving as your child's interests evolve. But I think the, the big idea here is just don't get caught in the moment out in public where like you've got an audience and your child has an audience. Be prepared. And since the birth of a lot of this more portable technology, the iPad, those little gaming systems, etc., a lot more people have decided that, okay, when we go to a restaurant, my child's going to use the iPad or my child's going to use this gaming device, whatever it is. I don't know the names of all those gaming devices, so I'm sorry. But we have to understand that things need to be a balance because I cannot function going to the store with my phone in my hand the whole time staring down at my phone and like getting through the store and getting what we need. I have to learn that I've got to put my phone away and I've got to focus on what we're doing and I have to behave. And if someone cuts in front of me in the line, I can't go and push them or go and yell at them as a little child might be prone to do. I've got to like use manners and I've got to be patient and I've got to use my words as I tell my kids. They've got to learn all of those experiences. They've got to learn firsthand sometimes. How should I react when I am in these social settings, when I'm out in the real world. And I think it's important to, at least some of the time, put that technology away and use these teaching opportunities for your kids. I know that it's more convenient sometimes when they're engrossed on the phone or whatever. And please know that I'm saying this, but there are totally times when I know, okay, I'm going on Uh, an extended shopping trip and I'm going to have all three of my kids. Uh, Recently, I had to make a run to Ikea by myself. My husband was working and I took the three kids to Ikea. And guess what? Before I left, I downloaded a short episode off of Disney Plus on my phone and I had them watch it while I was walking through Ikea because I knew like I was going to be dealing with all of this stuff and I was just trying to get through the store and that was how I was preparing that day. So there is a time and a place, but If you are regularly, every time you leave the house, resorting to using technology to entertain your kids so that they aren't having the opportunity to act out in these social settings, 
I just want to give a word of caution about that just because they do need to learn how to act and what's acceptable out in public. And that goes for like when they're at school as well. I know Suzanne and I can definitely speak to this side of things. If the, the same child who has no idea how to behave what's socially acceptable in the grocery store often has very similar behaviors in the classroom. So if you're using these teachable moments when you're out in public to help them understand what are social norms, how do I act, can I just walk up and push someone because they make me mad, can I yell something at them because they make me mad, no, that's not okay, that's not how we act, that's not how we treat each other. Your child sees that, they internalize that, they behave that way as well, and they also behave that way when they're not with you, for instance, when they're at school or when they're at their extracurriculars. So I think that we really have to use these moments to teach our kids and just be a little bit more aware of how much technology they have access to and how much time they're spending just engrossed in their tablet or in their device instead of absorbing what's going on around them. I think the other side of it too is anywhere you go, you can have conversations with your kids about what they're seeing and about what, I mean, babies, you can talk to them, toddlers, you can ask them questions. How many balls did I just put in the cart? When you're teaching them math skills, you can teach them the colors. What color is this baseball bat? And if they don't know, you can tell them. There's just so many teaching opportunities. You can turn any outing into a school session, but you can make it fun. And that way you're entertaining them. And, and engaging them, them. Yeah, and engaging them in conversation, which is huge because when you want your kids, when they start school in pre-K and kindergarten, you want them to be have strong language skills. And the only way they're going to get those strong language skills is by having conversations with the people around them. I caution with the technology too, because if they're always on the technology, every time they're on, that's a conversation they're not having. And I also would say that there are times and places for the technology. I completely agree with you. If you're going to Ikea with three kids, I think it's very wise to download <laughs> the, the show and but if you're doing a 20-minute trip into Kroger, they can you can have a conversation with them, probably keep them entertained for 20 minutes. And just think about what kinds of questions you can ask them. You pick up the bag of Oreos. What are, are these cookies or are these crackers? And when they can start to walk, you can say, can you go find the Oreos? They can't read yet, but they're learning to read. They're learning to recognize the symbols right, and the, the colors. Environmental print. And so there's so many opportunities that you don't want to miss out on if, if you can just have those conversations with your kids. And then the thing is they're getting your undivided attention and every child loves to have the undivided attention of their parents. Maybe you're listening to this podcast right now and you're thinking, this all sounds great, but honestly, what do I do if the threat of the consequence and all of my positive reinforcement doesn't work and my child has a hugely embarrassing full-on meltdown temper tantrum in front of everyone in public? What do I do in the heat of the moment when it seems like all eyes in the place are on me and people are judging me for the way my kids are behaving? Well, check out our membership page on our website at thriveinthehive.life for an article that has been written by us that explains step-by-step -step what to do in that situation. I promise you it will help you out. All right, so we are going to wrap up our episode for the day, but our takeaway is that you can survive any public outing with your child if you are prepared and you have a plan. 
share the plan and make sure that everyone understands it before you leave the house, have those conversations, and then just be consistent. Our action item for today is to take some time and plan out the consequences and the rewards. Make a list today so that when you go out next time, you are ready and you are prepared. Know what they're going to be because it's hard to come up with them in the heat of the moment. And then be sure to follow through if you need to. If your kid misbehaves, follow through with the consequence. I promise you it will make a difference. All right. Thanks so much for listening today. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for being a part of our show today. If you enjoyed what you heard and would like to learn more about setting yourself up to thrive in your hive, be sure to hit the subscribe button. Also, check out our website at thriveinthehive.life. We can also be found on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We can't wait to talk with you again soon. Hi, listeners. Just a quick note that the views expressed in this podcast are solely the personal views of Brianna and Suzanne. They are not the viewpoints of any of the institutions that we may be affiliated with.